This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rip Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast, episode 50, the Big Five Zero, the Corey Crawford F, uh, episode. F, episode. Brought to you by Overtime Media Podcast Network, your sport, your team, on your time. We are also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. That's P U C K H C K Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rinkware, use discount code The Rink, T H E R I N K. Metalheads, get over there. They got the hockey jerseys. Uh, you got some rinkware over there, hats, all kinds of cool stuff over there. You can get yourself, you know, maybe some uh, Snoop Loop stuff. Snoop Loop. <laughs> um, they they're always running specials. They got all kinds of cool new stuff going on. Um, every time I look at their page, they've got some new line that they're they're rolling out. So uh, I think I think you'll enjoy it all. Get yourself over there. Get yourself some rinkware. And uh, enjoy it for the summer. We're gonna. It looks like we're gonna have uh, a little bit of time between the Blackhawks and uh, or the Blackhawks end of the season and the end of the actual NHL season. So you'll have a little bit of time to go out there and do some shopping. So today is Thursday, April fourth, two thousand nineteen. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. My name is Jeff. It's Hefe, man. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> And I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. I've really been looking forward to this episode. Me too. You're one sandwich away from fat. (laughs) I I, I had to pull some clips for you. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you, (laughs) jerk-off. Basically, that's that's us to everyone. No one likes us. Yeah, no one likes us. Uh, and together, we are your most trusted sources on your favorite online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. The dash. The dash with the cash. If you don't got the dash, you don't got the cash. Yes. That was for Southside Zoe. There you go. There you go. So, um, the Blackhawks are going to be wrapping up their season this weekend. We will talk with Charlie Romiliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Easy for you to say. I know. I know. Easy for me to say. Um, I shouldn't die. <laughs> And uh, we're going to actually have a extended War Pigs report from uh, our the best Ice Hogs beat writer in the business, Mr. Mario Tarabasi. I don't so, think there's any question about that. No, he no is question. the undisputed king of Rockford. He is the Man. king of the clock tower. He has his, he has like a throne room at the top of the clock tower I'll where Mario holds court. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um. I'm going to rattle off some Blackhawks stats as, as the season's been wrapping up. They they really haven't moved up or up or down. Uh, they've kind of just maintained. Uh, the team's kind of leveled out a little bit, but leveling out doesn't do him, doesn't get them into the playoffs. They're really honestly like your their record. Uh, I think you were uh, alluding to this a little earlier today in our in our staff chat about how they've been since that seven game streak. I don't know what it was. Uh, 12, 10, and 3. Yeah, which is basically 500, 12 and 13. It's a game below, actually. Yeah. If, you know, if you rec- remember that or you take into account that those three are actually losses. Yeah. They're they're specifically called overtime losses. Just because you get a point doesn't mean it's not a loss. 
Um, they're 35, 33, and 12, 82 points. That's about where I would have predicted. Uh, earlier in the year, at the beginning of the year, I said that they're not going to be as bad as they were last year, but they are I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, and that's kind of where they are. Seventh in the Central, 22nd overall, which is kind of where they've been for, mu- for it seems like, a couple months now. You know, it's funny, and I, I've actually heard this said, um, and I, I think it's, I think anybody trying to sort of assess where this team really is and, and setting aside the desire to think, oh, we're just one player away. Um, and I, I think we have a question on that tonight too. Um, but it, with Jonathan Taves having his best scoring season ever, uh, Patrick Kane having a great year, Alex DeBrinkett having a fantastic year, the addition of Dylan Strom, Brandon Saad bounced back nicely this year. Uh, you know, Gustafson got 17 goals and I think something like, you know, 40 points, something like that. Um, all that with all that said, I mean, the team is like going to finish like 11th in the West. So what does that say? Is, you know, is it one player or is, is it, or are there some big glaring holes on this team that really need to be fixed? Because as we're going to allude later, um, you can't count on all these guys having the same kind of year next year as, as um, you know, as they had this year. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's just something to think about as you ponder this team. And I, I've got a blog that's going to drop probably at some point tomorrow that goes into some of this and, and what the Hawks may need to do this, this summer to address this. Yeah. All good stuff. Yeah. We will talk about it with Charlie too. We went kind of in depth about that too. So, uh, well, their goal differential is negative 24, uh, yeah. which is kind of where they've been. They got a little bit better, and then they kind of dropped back down again. Uh, their face-off percentage, they're 21st, tied for 21st uh, at 49.4. Uh, they're still last in the PK. They're going to finish the season. Even if they were to score on every PK for the rest, or, or not score, uh, the, the opponents were to not score on every PK for the rest of the season, they would still be last in the NHL. And they may... It may be one of the worst penalty kill teams since uh, probably 23 years ago from what I read. Uh, was it 96, I think? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, they're 12th on the power play. Some of that has to do with that that hot streak, and we kind of talk about that a little later too. Uh, but they're at 20.6, which is okay. It's respectable. Um, they would probably be closer to, you know, the – the 20th spot if it wasn't for that hot streak they hit uh goals four they went slightly down a little bit like one slot one spot uh at 259 uh 30 30th in goals against which is second to last not good uh not good at all and they're 30th in shots faced per game 34.6 so high danger scoring chances yeah high danger scoring chances uh for sure they're while they're High danger save percentage is really good. Fifth in the league at 85.28. Needs uh, to be. Yeah, it needs to be because they would be really hurting if that wasn't good. Um, and their their Corsi and their Fenwick is, you know, 16th and 21st, kind of in the middle of the pack. Uh, and their, their five-on-five save percentage went down slightly. Uh, they're at 19th at 917. So that's where they kind of stand. Uh, that's probably where they're going to finish unless something crazy was to happen in these, these final two games against Dallas and uh, who are they playing Saturday? I don't know. I have to look Nashville, Nashville. Yeah, that's right. Dallas, and Nashville, back to back against, uh, 
against division rivals. So, uh, yeah, that's not, not, not too good. So, uh, not, not too good is our, our boy, uh, our boy, the big Lebowski, Jeffrey Lebowski says, come on, man. <laughs> not too good, man. So, all right. Well, that all that being said, let's head into our first break. Uh, and then we'll come back with our war pigs report with Mario Tarbasi. He's going to go into this playoff race that the, uh, the ice hogs are, are in where they're going to try and make the playoffs here. They could be the only uh, team in the Blackhawks organization to make the playoffs. So uh, that would be nice. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be very quiet in Blackhawks land as far as, you know, uh, celebrations go. Um, Indeed. Yeah. So here we go with the break and on to Mario. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. Hey guys, thanks for having me on again uh, for another Rockford Ice Hogs War Pegas report. Coming down to the final stretch of the season, five games remain for the Ice Hogs as they sit currently uh, in seventh place in the AHL Central Division. Now that may sound bad out of an eight-team division, but they are just three points out of the fourth and final spot in the Central Division for the Calder Cup playoffs, uh, trailing the Manitoba Moose and Milwaukee Admirals, which are both currently tied with 79 points. So the Ice Hogs with 76 points, they're three points back of that final playoff spot. Uh, they're two points back of the Texas Stars, I'm sorry, one point back with the Texas Stars, uh, who have 77 points. And crazily enough, just five points back of the Iowa Wild, who are in third place with 81 points. Uh, the Wild, winless in their last seven games. They are 0-6-1 over their last seven. So they are collapsing down the stretch uh, as the, the season comes to an end. Um, the four teams behind Iowa all have a game in hand, all having played 71 games uh, this season. The entire league uh, is off today except for, I believe it was Toronto and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Hershey I believe played this afternoon um, but that has no bearing on the Central Division. Chicago Wolves, Grand Rapids, they are the top two teams in the division. Wolves already clinching a playoff spot with 92 points. Grand Rapids, 86 points in second place. Uh, and behind the Ice Hogs, already eliminated, are the San Antonio Rampage. They have 63 points. Uh, speaking of the Ice Hogs and Rampage, they played uh, on Tuesday night. It was the Ice Hogs' uh, most recent game, and um, it was a game that really looked like it was going in a bad way for Rockford as they were down uh, two nothing early on in the uh, in the in the first and second period, um, you know, struggling to uh, to take advantage of a lot of chances that they were creating for themselves. Um, Colin Delia was getting visibly frustrated uh, in the game with the team playing out in front of him, especially uh, on the the two nothing goal. Just a bad turnover right in front of him to the uh, to the rampage and um, was an easy put away goal for the two nothing goal, but. Um, Dylan Sakura making his AHL return to the Ice Hogs. 
um, after playing uh, for the last two months with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. He came back in a big way, scoring two goals um, for the Ice Hogs, uh, mounting the comeback essentially. Um, you know, making it making it two one in the second period. Uh, the Rampage were able to. Uh, extend their lead to 3-1 in the third period, but then um, William Peltier scored back-to-back goals in the third period to tie the game. Um, and then Sakura was able to uh, get his second goal of the game, which was the 4-3 goal. Andreas Martinson, uh, moments later, scored the 5-3 insurance goal, uh, and the Ice Hogs were able to hold on from there. Um, a huge four-goal third period to get a 5-3 win over the San Antonio Rampage and keep pace at that time uh, in the Central Division race. So it's been uh, it's been a pretty crazy last couple of games for the Ice Hawks. It's going to be a pretty crazy next couple of games for the Ice Hawks. For the next four, will be on the road uh, starting on Friday night. They play the Texas Stars, who, like I said, are above them in the playoffs. Back to back games Friday and Saturday on the road in Cedar Park, taking on the Texas Stars. Uh, essentially now um, those games, instead of having four points on the line, pretty much have eight points on the line because any win for the Ice Hogs over their next five games will represent basically two steps ahead of the team that they play since the next five games are all against teams that are ahead of them in the Central Division standings. Like I said, back-to-back this weekend, Friday and Saturday at Texas. Then they go uh, to Milwaukee to Iowa, and then they uh, finish their season at home April 14th on Sunday against the Milwaukee Admirals. So two games against Texas, two games against Milwaukee, and uh, sandwiched between those games against the Admirals is a game against the Iowa Wild. Um, Pretty much setting up that final April 14th game, depending on how the uh, road trip goes, that could be a playoff eliminator between both of those teams. Um, So we'll see how how the chips fall, but as I mentioned before, Dylan Sakura getting back into the lineup is going to be a big boost for the Rockford Ice Hogs as they missed his offensive uh, playmaking capabilities, his offensive production for a big chunk of the season. Um, he's currently tied for third on the team in points with 32. Uh, his uh, points per game pace is tied for the team lead with Matthew Highmore this season. Highmore also returning to the Ice Hogs lineup on Tuesday night. He has missed pretty much the entire season uh, with a shoulder injury. He went down uh, in early November with the injury and was ruled out for four to six months after having surgery in mid-November. Tuesday night was his return to the lineup, and uh, if he can get back to the form uh, that he had at the beginning of the season when he scored seven points in his first eight games, uh, another boost to the Ice Hogs lineup um, on the offensive side uh, he'll be able to bring. So that'll be something to keep keep an eye on. Um, In addition to that, Peter Holland has been uh, as advertised since um, the Ice Hogs acquired him in a trade uh, with the New York Rangers for Darren Radish. Uh, Peter Holland is ninth in the league in scoring this year. Uh, He has set career highs for both points and goals um, for a single season in the AHL. 62 points uh, this year for Holland, uh, 25 goals for him, and uh, 13 points in 17 games 
with the Ice Hogs this year. So he's been uh, the been able to create some offense since uh, joining the Ice Hogs earlier this season. Uh, one thing that the Ice Hogs are going to miss, though, is uh, Jordan Schrader. Now, he went down in Tuesday night's game with a lower body injury. Um, I don't want to play doctor, but it looked like it may have been a foot injury. He's been listed as day-to-day, and uh, he'll be out for the next couple of games for the foreseeable future. Uh, He had to be helped off the ice after the first period, going from the bench to the locker room. So it didn't look like it was uh, good news for Schroeder. Schroeder. And uh, he is second on the team this year in scoring. Um, he has set career highs, uh, career high in points this season with 45, topping his previous total he set in the 2011-2012 season uh, with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, taking the place of Schrader, though, could be uh, a, t- a player that the Ice Hogs added to their roster today. 2018 draft pick. Um, Philip Kurashev is joining the Rockford Ice Hogs on an amateur tryout contract that was announced earlier today by the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Kurashev, uh, his season in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League ended, uh, I believe it was on Tuesday, as uh, Quebec fell to Halifax. So Kurashev uh, set to join the Ice Hogs uh, for the final five games of the season. Uh, he uh, had a career high. Uh, career junior high of uh, 20, 29 goals and 65 points uh, for Quebec this season. Um, pretty much should slot right into the lineup. Um, head coach Derek King has a lot of offensive options to choose from to kind of fill the hole that uh, Schrader is going to uh, create, losing him in, in the roster. Um, I feel like Kurashev is going to join uh, join the Ice Hogs and slot right into that position that uh, Schrader was um, occupying. Also today, uh, two defensemen rejoined the Ice Hogs lineup. Um, first, Dmitry Osipov. Uh, he comes back from the Indy Fuel on a PTO contract. Uh, he played a, a handful of games for the Ice Hogs um, two weeks ago. Uh, he'll come back and um, potentially be thrown into the mix on the defensive side. Um, but that might be hard to fathom, given that the other player that was brought back to the Ice Hogs lineup is Dennis Gilbert. Uh, he had a quick cup of coffee with the Chicago Blackhawks uh, on Wednesday night, making his NHL debut. Um, he played 12 minutes and 46 seconds uh, against the Blues in the Blackhawks' win. He led the team in hits with six, which doesn't surprise uh, anybody who's watched Gilbert um, either in college or with the Ice Hogs this season, um, physicality is the biggest thing he brings to the table. But in the last couple of weeks, um, his offensive game has definitely jumped up uh, a notch for the Ice Hogs, and he's been v- way more visible in a good way uh, for Rockford. And, you know, he was rewarded with getting his first uh, NHL call up. He has 14 points in 59 games this year, his first professional. Uh, his first year playing professional hockey also has a team high 65 penalty minutes and a team high seven fighting majors so um, Gilbert will slot back into the lineup without question there so a lot going on in the last five games for the Ice Hogs a lot on the line and uh, this is the this is the time of year that uh, everyone enjoys Um, Blackhawks obviously knocked out of playoff contention. The Ice Hogs looking to uh, not fall the same fate 
and uh, get a couple wins down the road here and clinch themselves a spot in the Calder Cup playoffs, much like they did uh, last season as it went down as it went down the line. And uh, they rode the coattails of uh, Colin Delia and Jeff Glass this year. It might end up being Delia and Anton Forsberg that uh, lead them into the postseason both of them ranking in the top five in save percentage in the AHL this season. Uh, Forsberg with a 920 save percentage that ranks fourth. Delia leads the AHL with a 923 save percentage. So the formula is easy. Score goals, stop pucks, just win. Uh, so we'll see what the Ice Hogs do. Last couple of games here of the season is going to be exciting. And uh, you can catch it all on the rink. Send it back to you guys. We have uh, a returning guest to the ring cast. We have Mr. Charlie Romiliotis from uh, NBC Sports Chicago. And uh, we've had you on before. And, of course, John and I agree with a lot of the stuff that you say. It seems to be a regular occurring thing. With We had Laz on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we've been agreeing with him more often. But uh, I think the way we kind of look at it is on, on the Hawk Talk podcast or the Hawk Talk podcast, uh, you seem to be like the voice of reason. <laughs> Where we we were, I'm always left shaking my head. Yes, yes, I agree. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have you on again, though, Charlie. Uh, yeah. So I'm the second time on. Does this mean I'm a friend of the show now? <laughs> a friend of the show, definitely. Fos. Yeah, we have to make. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make a sound clip for that. But I know John is. I know John is kind of obsessed with you know that you might have the best flow in the. Uh, he doesn't. I have the best flow. There's, there's no question about that. Well, and remember, it is indisputable. And remember, I'm not only the heckler president, but I'm also a client. <laughs> and this. Don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time. Maury's wigs don't come off, <laughs> even underwater. And remember, Maury's wigs are tested against hurricane winds. <laughs> You you brought up the flow, so I heard you due for a haircut, John. <laughs> Pardon me. I heard I heard you were due for a haircut. I am actually I am due. I'm. Uh, I think I am too. getting a little. My hair is getting a little shaggy. <laughs> well, summer summer is coming up, so the humidity is going to get it. Oh man. Well, I got to say, I'm jealous of both you guys. So I have, I haven't had a full head of hair since I was about 21. So anyway, so the Blackhawks. Uh, we talked about this, or, uh, you know, we were talking about last week how they were virtually uh, eliminated, and then this week they were actually eliminated. So now we're back to reality. We're out of this whole, uh, they're going to make, they could make the playoffs. Anything could happen. Hashtag anything can happen thing. Um, what do we, what do we think? What do we think now, John? Uh, season's over. It's, uh, as I said on the Twitters yesterday, um, the other night when the Hawks were eliminated is when negative became realistic. And, uh, I, you know, my feeling is, and quite honestly, I think the, uh, the voices out there that I, I tend to respect for their, um, for their gravitas and their, uh, you know, their, their take on things is, uh, you know, is that, you know, this was a flawed team and, there was they had that hot streak of uh, I think they won seven in a row back in in January um, and they played very well for a while and then after that ended they uh, I believe went twelve ten and three over the next twenty five games when 
they were ostensibly in competition for a, a playoff spot. So, you know, with all that on the line and all the momentum that they had, and they were and they were relatively healthy too, um, they weren't able to compile a, a 500 record. And um, that's not to, to condemn the team or condemn the effort per se, but rather to say that this was a flawed team and and it was a team that um, really struggled to keep the puck out of its own net and. Um, uh, you know, the the thing to do is not to get too crazy about the the highlights of the year. There were some highlights. There were some positive notes to build on, but rather to see them as that, to see them as, as positive notes to build on and to recognize that there are some big gaps in this team's, you know, uh, composition, um, especially um, on, on the blue line, but also, uh, you know, perhaps um, another center who can uh, take take defensive zone draws on on uh, the the penalty kill, which has been a complete disaster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's those, sort of my take. Those are all good points. Uh, excellent points, actually. We're going to go over that as well. So that's a a good lead into that. Charlie, you let off your podcast by by uh, saying the same thing that we've kind of said all along, which is this was probably never a playoff team in the first place. Yeah, and. I think when you just look back at the schedule, I think we, we all go back to, you know, where, where did it slip away? Was it the two game loser? Was it the pair of eight game losing streaks? Was it that weekend when they played Colorado and Dallas? Was it the weekend when they played Colorado back to back? And I think ultimately when you look at the big picture, they were never bad enough to be last in the Western conference or towards the basement, but they were never good enough to be, in a playoff spot. And I think where they are right now is, is probably exactly where they should be. Um, obviously you can probably look back and see, maybe wonder where this team would be at if they did end up bringing Jeremy Colleton uh, before the season and give him a full training camp. And maybe it salvages six to eight points and they end up in a playoff spot. Who knows? Um, but I, I think ultimately in the end, the, the Blackhawks are where they should be. Yeah. I think, um, in the grand scheme of things, looking back and, you know, of course, looking back, we have the, you know, we know what we know now. We didn't know it then, but there are so many bad moves and decisions they made last summer and things that they didn't even, uh, you know, decisions they didn't make that they pushed off with kicking the can down the road. You know, the, the Brandon Manning thing didn't work out at all. Chris Kunitz really was a nothing Cam Ward, probably the best of the decisions, but if they were going to make a, you know, like you said, if they were going to make a, a, a change with the coach, they probably should have done it and give, given Jeremy Colleton a full summer to work with this team and uh, training camp to get his system in and all that other stuff, instead of being thrown in while the team was on a downslide, like he, they, they really stacked the deck against him and, uh, Last summer was a, was just basically a complete failure as far as what they did or didn't do. Um, that's I think I, I think when it. you look at sorry, Gate, no. I, I think when you look at the last summer what they did in free agency, it, it doesn't look great. But at the same time, you look at the market and it was John Tavares, JVR, and then it was overpayment across the board, right? So you look at this free agent class, and I could see. A lot of I, I'm like, I'm going down the list here, and I the the top ten guys are like legitimate changer. You know they could change life on your team next season. So I think this is a year where they finally have the money to spend, and it's not going to be like last summer where 
they miss out on some of the top guys and like, okay, well, we got to settle for a Brandon Manning or a Chris Kunitz. Like they're going to go get someone this summer. And I think, uh, and Stan Bowman has his guy now in Jeremy Colleton that he obviously communicates a lot with because he was part of the, he was part of the process when they were making that Nick Schmaltz and Dylan Strom deal. They, Stan was talking to Jeremy about Dylan Strom in the days before that and in a while before that. So I think, they're going to do the same thing going into free agency this summer too. Right. Yeah. I, the only thing is, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of difference makers in free agency. The question is, is which ones do the Hawks need and which one merits likely overpayment in terms of um, average annual value and term, because that's how unrestricted free agency generally works, especially for the top guys. They, they always get, they they clean up basically. And my thing is, is, you know, maybe the, the players, yeah, you know, maybe Bowman can, can go into it. He's got a nice little war chest to go in. Maybe he doesn't go for any of the eight, nine, $10 million a year players, but rather, you know, find some value, say for example, in a third line center. I don't, because, because on defense where the, where the most acute need is, um, there's, there's Eric Carlson and then there's a severe drop off. And, as much as I like Eric Carlson, and I do, um, I, I just wonder, you know, being being that he's a right side defenseman, that's not as maybe as acute a need as the left side. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know if if he makes that if he makes sense. If they went on and signed him, I think it would dramatically improve the team, regardless, and they could figure it out from there. Uh, but I I feel like the defenseman, you know, after him. Um, and maybe even before him, the defense, and they really need there, they're probably going to have to get by a trade. And I feel like we get so fixated on unrestricted free agency, um, you know, and, and overlook, you know, the possibility of going and trading because the Hawks do have assets in the, in, in the pipeline that they could package and trade. Um, they've, they've got some, some decent depth, especially at left wing, um, you know, that, that perhaps they could trade from. Um, so I, I just feel like, you know, that that's got to be in, in terms of exi- of analyzing what they might do. That's got to be on the table as well. Yeah, those are all great points, actually, because those are things that I actually wanted to steer this towards as far as the defense goes that um, and Charlie and, and Slavko and, and Pat, you guys brought up great points about uh, who are you going to get? You know, how there's not a lot of guys out there and, and we hear this a lot. But it kind of gets, they put too much weight, too much weight into that statement. Who are you going to get? You know, there's only about five decent guys out there on defense. Well, you can trade for people. And there are people out there who, uh, you know, there, there are teams out there that are looking to, that, that may have a lot of defensive type defensemen that may be looking to bring in an offensive type defenseman. And you could kind of swap something like that. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. I know you guys were, you guys have a lot of conversation on your podcast about, you know, this Eric Gustafson, should they keep him? You know, he only makes this much money. Uh, you know, it, you know, is he the future of this team? Well, there's only so many defensemen. You know, it, it really goes back and forth. There's only so many defensemen on this team. Four of them are, you know, Connor Murphy, uh, Duncan Keith, uh, Brent Seabrook, and, you know, uh, you got Carl Dahlstrom, you got, you know, it's full, it's a full boat. But you've got a lot of, you know, bottom pair defensemen there. So I, this is my, and I have nothing to go by on this. 
But my thinking on this is if you can maximize Eric Gustafson's value being an offensive defenseman to a team that lacks maybe some offensive defensemen, but has a lot of defensive type defensemen. Maybe you can leverage that and, and kind of you'd be, you'd, you'd each be helping each other kind of thing. That's kind of where I'm looking at this um, because you guys are right there. You know, if you got on the, on the market, you may overpay for a defensive defenseman. That's, you know, maybe he's a 3 million or $4 million a guy a year guy. And you have to pay $6 million for him. So that's right. my like thoughts. The, the guys on the market are obviously, and, and we reference this on our podcast too, like the guy, the defenseman, Eric Carlson and, uh, you know, Tyler Miles, those guys are 27, 20 years old. They want to cash out. They want right cap it and they want term. So right. I, you're right. I, I think the, the way to go is if they want to fill that top four defenseman need, they have to do it through a trade but here's the issue from the Blackhawks. They're probably in a position now where they don't want to take away from their forward group and try to fill that need. Like they, they've restocked their pipeline over the last couple of years and they have a surplus of D-men now. So, yeah. so I yep. think ideally you would want to move one of those guys and get an impact type player now. And then maybe two of them or <laughs> yeah. And then you could be more patient with an Adam Boquist or an Ian Mitchell or whoever. And that way you're not, you know, rushing their developments too, because you, you do really want to kind of bridge the gap here. Yeah. That's that. And, and, and to expand on that point is it seems like I'm hearing a lot of people being afraid that the power play is going to go in the toilet. If Eric Gustafson is gone. Okay. Maybe it may, it might take a step back, but there are people, there are players in the organization that can step in maybe not this next year, but the following year and be that guy. So do you maybe sacrifice the power play next year, which outside of that, that, that really good streak, it's just been okay. You know, bottom middle third of the league kind of, uh, you know, in in the beginning of the year, it was horrible, but you know, as the year has gone on, it's been a little bit better. So maybe they're in the middle third, do we do or does uh, Stan Bowman sacrifice that? Let Eric Gustafson go. He's got value in in the fact that he can score a lot. He can set people up, and he's a low cap hit. Leverage that to bring in maybe you know. And I, I listed out a bunch of people here that um, that may be available or may not be available or may or you know could also be free agents as well. But like you said, Brett Pesci, uh, Rasmus Anderson in Calgary. Jordy Ben's going to be a free agent. Uh, ben uh, Sherio, Sherio from uh, Winnipeg. Brendan Dillon, Troy Stetcher, Matthias Eckholm from Nashville. I mean, they're they they have a, a cap issue there. Brandon Montour from Buffalo. He's going to be an RFA. Maybe you can get his rights. Uh, Zach Bogosian, things like that. Maybe players like those you could bring in. Get rid of Gustafson. It opens up a slot in the pro, on the pro roster. And, and then you could slip in that guy who's a little more defensively capable. What do you, I don't know what you think about that. Are you asking Charlie or me? Either or. Um, I actually, you know, I'm probably one of the more vocal Gustus and credits, uh, critics out there, but here's the deal. You got career years out of Taves and Kane this year. 
Um, there appears to be some tread left on Duncan Keith's tire. He's not what he once was, but he can be some nights a, a pretty good, a pretty good player still. You, you know, while you're paying these guys, uh, you know, and Crawford, let's assume Crawford plays next year, which uh, I, you know, I want to see him play 65 games before I believe that. But, um, but let's just assume you're you're paying these guys, including Seabrook, about I think it's about almost 40 million dollars. Um, a year. And so your team, your your salary cap is structured and built and committed to being a competitive team, competitive, i.e. like, you know, second, third round of the playoffs or later. Um, so so that said, if the goal next year is to to be a playoff team and a competitive playoff team, then as much as I, I pretty much can't stand Gustafson's game five on five, um, and as much as I think that his abilities in three on three overtime are worthless in the playoffs, which is true, um, he I will give him, you know, maximum credit for the fact that he is the power play quarterback that's been really missing since 2011 when they traded Brian Campbell. Um, and he's really, really good in that role. And, and as such, if they want to compete next year, I don't know that they can afford to move him. I think. You know, I'd rather move a Mitchell or a Bowden or, um, you know, someone of that order or maybe a couple of those guys in a pick to get that, you know, really, you know, tough um, sort of Nich- Nicholas Jalmerson 2.0 type of defenseman that I think we all agree is what they, they need to plug in there um, rather than deal Gustafson to get that. Because, you know, if you want to compete next year, then you've got to find somebody to run the power play. We know Keith is not the guy. Um, it's certainly not Murphy or Dahlstrom. Um, Seabrook's got the shot, but he's not really a, an intuitive power play quarterback. So, um, and I don't think um, Boakfast is going to be ready next year. I mean, there's some question whether he's going to be ready two years from now. Yeah, I think I think Boakfast is going to get the nine games though next season and sure. make it a little bit interesting because I know he's got one more slide year left. But back to Gustafson, like if you're asking me if I would trade. Or if I would, yeah, if I would trade Gustafson for a first round pick and a prospect, like I, I just, I wouldn't do it just because those, those picks and prospects aren't going to pan out for an, another couple couple years. So I think ideally, if you're trading Gustafson, you're, you're getting something in return where you're filling a hole elsewhere and you have a backup plan to replace Gustafson. Yeah. That's the only way I'm moving him because yeah. like you said, he's a bargain of a deal. He changed life on your power play. He's developed this great chemistry with Patrick Kane. And, you know, if you, if you take that away, you're getting worse on defense. You, you might strengthen your defensive issues, but no matter however you patch up that void. But, I mean, 17 goals this season. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you lose him, if you lose him off your defense five on five, that's an improvement. Because <laughs> he's a liability five on five on defense, and and I, I you know he's now granted the last ten games or so he's looked a lot better, um, but I, I again I think this this idea of well you just got to coach him up he's not seventeen he's twenty seven, and to to assume that he's never been properly coached on taking the right angles. Uh, you know, on, on finding his man. I mean, it's a man-to-man scheme, basically, the Colton's running. And yet, you know, Gustafson's constantly looking around, you know, for somebody to cover and somebody's open and he doesn't cover them. I mean, so I, I think it's I, I think it's just it's silly to say that 
you know, he can be coached into being a really good defenseman. I think, in my opinion, and we had Laz on last week, and he disagreed, but I'll I'll continue saying this until I it, I'm convinced otherwise. I think it, with him with Gustafson, it's it's a discipline issue and it's a desire issue to be a responsible defenseman. I think he would much rather be jumping in the play and way down below the opponent's goal line than you know covering his man and getting back on defense and engaging in the defensive zone. I, I just don't think he cares about it and. So as such, again, I think I have no issue with Gustafson as a power play quarterback. I have no issue with him, you know, being somewhat sheltered with a really responsible defensive partner and his his five on five situations monitored a little more. Gustafson playing 26 minutes a night on your team is is basically a recipe for the defense you had this year, which stunk. And Gustafson's going to get paid like a top four defenseman next season. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And you he's not going to be in Chicago. And roll. Right. You can't shelter him in a third pair and roll and use him as a specialist like that. I mean, that's probably what they're going to do with Brent Seabrook as his career goes down the line and just use him in situations where he's on the PK or whatever. And you can't have that large amount of cap hit sheltered on your third pairing just because they're specialists. And another good thing you guys brought up is that. Uh, you know, you guys are bringing up the whole, you know, goals above average or uh, goals above expected and all that. And that's another thing is like, we could probably expect Eric Gustafson to drop off. He's, I don't think he's going to get what he has this year, next year, no matter how good the Blackhawks do. I just don't see him having that kind of production. Um, he, he had a good year. Everyone seemed to gel together all at the, all at the same time. You know, some of the assists had to do with Patrick Kane having an incredible year and Jonathan Tays having an incredible year and Alex Abrinkian having an, uh, an incredible year. To think, and you guys, again, said this yourselves, to think that all those guys are going to have incredible years once again is not a responsible thought. Because, yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. I agree with that too. So I mean, my thought was is you're hitting, he, he's going to be at the top of his value right now. He's got another year left. At a, at a cheap number, um, he's probably going to drop off next year. And, okay, yeah, you're probably going to take a hit on the power play. Of course. But is that worth hanging on to him for, you know, until he hits free agency and maybe not being able to use him as a, as a piece to bring in something that you need? I don't know. I mean, I, that's for Stan Bowman to answer, but that's the way I kind of look at it as far as the defense goes. And, and the problem is if you if you wanted to trade him, uh, we always look at it like I know we talk about this on our on our podcast of maybe trading a, a forward to patch up a top four defenseman spot. But I mean, if you're trading a guy like Gustafson, it's probably going to be the opposite, right? Like you're trading a guy like Gustafson to get a top six forward. And then you're because what are you going to do? Trade Gustafson for a defensive defenseman? Like, I don't think that makes sense. I, I think you it, there's still value in having an offensive defenseman that can change life on your power play. And you know, I think um, ever, ever since January, since Carlton t- took over, Gustafson has been on a 77 point pace and that, that's almost a point per game. Like for a defenseman, like it's pretty insane. And I, I, I'm, you know, I always reference a guy like uh, Brett Pesci from Carolina and, and that, that to me is, is such a perfect fit for Chicago. And he's actually playing on the left side, even though he's a right-handed shot. And he's been so effective there. So I, that's such a game changer that, you know, 
the, that's exactly what the Blackhawks need, a right-handed shot defenseman that can maybe play on the left side and be a PKer. The problem is Carolina wants a top six forward. Yeah. And and so, you know, maybe pitching some of the, the defenseman prospects that the Blackhawks have in the system, it's not going to line up with their with their timeline. Right. But that's right. that's so difficult. That's that's why the market is so hard to to kind of gauge of like what is out there for Gustafson and what the Blackhawks want and what other teams want maybe don't line up. There's you know what though there's a lot of good young defensemen who are are you know more stay at home type of guys are certainly more responsible um, that are out there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, and you know, here's the thing. And I, and I actually wrote this into a blog that I've yet to post. So I'll preview it here. If, if fans and senior management of the Blackhawks cannot trust Stan Bowman to go out and make a value for value deal that improves the team in terms of acquiring this defenseman we're talking about, then Stan Bowman needs to be replaced because any competent GM that's going to get you, you know, get a team deep into the playoffs has to be able to make those kinds of deals and do so adeptly. And um, I just, you know, it, it, this whole idea of, you know, Stan's going to have $25 million to spend this summer. He'll be sitting pretty. Uh, You know, the other issue with that whole mentality is, is this presumption that, that, you know, Chicago is at the top of every free agents list. And I, I find that highly dubious at this point. I, you know, for example, Artemi Panarin, I mean, there's this this re- almost religious sort of belief that Panarin wants to be reunited, reunited with Patrick Kane in Chicago, yet all of the actual evidence suggests he's looking at places like Florida. Um, you know, there there was some bad blood when he left when he was traded from Chicago. Um, you know, uh, so so it's just you know the the narrative doesn't always fit the facts, and um, you know I, I just um, I feel like. Uh, Free agency again. I mean, I think the Hawks could go out and make some moves in free agency and, and, and improve the depth of their team and improve, uh, fill some holes. But I also feel like, you know, Bowman's got is going to have to step up and make some deals because the composition of this team. I mean, it's weak down the middle. Um, it's really weak on defense, and there's also there's also some question marks in goal too because. I, I'm I'm of the belief that Corey Crawford is one or two, you know, stiff breezes or a, a puck to the mask away from being, you know, uh, on IR again. Yeah, that's all uh, all good points, and I I honestly think that um, if when they do go to free agency, um, maybe the names that they bring in aren't going to be big names, but I, I'm kind of hopeful that they'll bring in something that's going to actually make a difference instead of just signing random guys like they did last year, which, you know, it was like, what was that? What was left of the pile that they signed and brought in? And none of them really work except for Cam Ward, but they had to overpay to get Cam Ward. So um, going, I mean, you brought up the the offense, so let's not belabor the defense too long. Um, You guys had some theories on your podcast, Charlie, about, um, you know, forwards, offensive stuff. And one of the things that I found very interesting, and uh, I want to lead with this, was the Bouchergrass tweet where he said uh, future NHL uh, Blackhawks center Kevin Hayes beats the Blackhawks tonight. And I thought about it, and this really stuck in my mind for a while because I'm like, why would Kevin Hayes come back here? There was bad blood. He left. He left him sitting, you know, he left him standing at the altar. 
Um, he didn't want to come here because, you know, how his brother was treated. Or, and so why three, four years later would he come to the Blackhawks? And then I look at the date that that tweet was posted. April Fool's Day. That's what I honestly think is that he was BSing everybody with that. I don't know, because he, he followed up that tweet when someone said he'd go back to New York and, and he kind of dismissed that. It, it's it's interesting. I, I don't think the Blackhawks ever burn bridges. Like when when Brandon Saad got traded, like there was like that was that was nasty because it felt like both sides were surely going to get that done. And then the Blackhawks bring him back and it's fine. Right. So I think. In this situation, if it works for both sides, it's really going to be about money, like what Kevin Hayes gets on the open market. And I mean, there's certainly a fit like in Chicago if he wanted to kind of fly under the radar and be behind the, the shadows of Kane and Taze, similar to what Dylan Strom right now. I mean, he's he doesn't have have to be the guy. He can sit pretty, making a lot of money and. I don't want to say be that secondary score, but he's, it's going to, it's always going to be Kane and Taze and Keith. And those guys are going to be answering the tough questions when things go awry. And when guys are winning, it's, you know, they're going to get the credit so they can kind of fly under the radar. So it's really about what he gets on the open market. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that, I don't know how that, how that works with Dylan Strom. Like is Dylan Strom then a third line center? I mean, the, the salary is okay but you're going to have to pay Dylan Strom eventually. And then Dylan Strom plays with Alex DeBrinkett. Alex DeBrinkett's not a third-line player. Neither is Dylan Strom. I don't know that I feel that Kevin Hayes would fit based on what the Blackhawks, the way the Blackhawks roster is set right now. I think they'd be more, they'd be, it'd be a better move if they were to go get a true third-line center. You know, uh, whoever may be out there. Uh, you, you brought up Brian Boyle. I love Brian Boyle. Sure. Brian Boyle, uh, maybe Brock Nelson. I mean, he, he may play further up the lineup in, uh, in, uh, New York, but maybe he's a third line center, more of a third line center. I think Kevin Hayes is, a, is at least a second line center. So I don't know how that kind of, how that kind of plays out, but, uh, that's just my opinion on that. What do you think, John? I don't think his his production screams second line center. Now, I'm not saying he's a third line center, but that's a guy you can probably slot. Like if your third line center, if your third line next year was Brandon Saad, Kevin Hayes, and Dylan Sakura, like that'll work. And I think the Blackhawks are would be looking at it as oh, they wouldn't be looking at it as like oh, Kevin Hayes is making this amount of money to be a third line center. They're they're going to look at it as hey, we finally got three lines that we can roll, and we feel comfortable with any of the three lines out there whether Kevin Hayes is the third line goes up against the, the first line or, or whoever. So I think in today's NHL, you have, I mean, the cap is going to continue to go up. The, uh, the Blackhawks are going to have space. If they can roll a three line rotation, a consistent three, three line rotation next year, that's where the league is going. And I think that's the value in that. And, and, and you can, you can pair him with, with any kind of wing. Like Kevin Hayes is a, is a legit passer. Like he's going to rack up assists, not goals. So you can just, you can put some entry level contract wingers with him and, and it, it could bring out the best in, in both of them. And there could be value there too. Well, you know, I, th- my, my feeling is on it is, um, so Marcus Kruger is not 
now what he was in 2015 when he was actually uh, a weapon in the faceoff dot. I think that one of the big problems they have on their penalty kill is that after Jonathan Tave, they don't have anybody really who they can count on to win, you know, defensive zone draws. And, um, you know, there's, you know, possessing the puck starts with, with possessing the puck and winning the puck. And, and I, there's a lot of so-called experts out there who say all faceoffs don't matter. They really matter on special teams. They matter on faceoffs. Um, you know, they matter late in games and late in one goal games. And, um, I really think, and I, that, you know, and I've, I've actually heard this, that, you know, the Hawks are going to get somebody who's, you know, like a 52, 53% plus face-off person, not strictly a face-off guy. I mean, ideally you want somebody who can do other things, but you know, you know, the, the debate about Artem and Isimov now in three cities has been, well, is he really a wing or is he a center? Cause he can't win face-offs. And, um, Strom has, is, you know, sort of in that 40, 47% range. Um, so I, I think, you know, we can kind of get caught into that, that, you know, trap of thinking about centers in terms of offensive production, but, you know, centers have to also be really responsible defensively. I mean, um, it's, it's a position where they have, where a, a forward has to defend over 200 feet of ice. Um, and so I, I really think that, that, the Hawks are going to go out looking for a center this summer who checks some of those less sexy boxes of face-offs and, you know, defensive coverage. And if the guy can actually drive offense on a third line, man, that's a huge bonus. And there are a lot of guys out there like that. They're going to cost about what you're paying Anisimov, um, but they're also, ideal, you know, hopefully going to do the job better than Anisimov has done it. Yeah. I Some of those – and – now this, I, I don't want to stick on the centers because you guys brought up another good point, which is that they need secondary scoring, not just at center, just secondary scoring in general. And um, there's also a player out there, Michael Furland, who's a, a you know a gritty guy, uh, can score. Uh, he's going to command some money, but um, you know he could be possibly you know a target or uh, you know. There's there's a bunch that are going to be out there, and, and you really don't know. You could just list what the free agents are, but we don't really know. Um, those are just some names that I wanted to throw out there. Anders Lee, Brandon Tanev, uh, Brett Conley. You said Brian Boyle, Alex Chason. Alex Chason's having a really good year. Um, those are all guys who could possibly be. What's president. that? I said apparently not according to the Oilers president. He doesn't think Chason is having a good year. Yeah. You'll uh, have to look it up. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I know what you're saying. Um but, you know, look at the Oilers are a mess anyway. So they, apparently they're going to trade uh, Connor McDavid. So You um, could sign me up for Boyle, absolutely. I mean, he does he does a lot of things well, and he's a guy that, you know, he's just he's really, really tough to play against. And, um, you know, there, and there's, there, like I said, there are other guys like that out there um, who are not, you know, glamorous players, who are not somebody you're going to get into a debate about being a second-line center. This is a guy who's going to kill penalties, um, is going to, you know, maybe get 30 points a year. Um, and, but is going to accomplish a lot of things that are missing right now. Um, you know, uh, with Anisimov and Kruger, both really not doing the job anymore as, as, you know, full-time centers. I, I think Michael Furlan is, is a really good option. As you said, I think he checks a lot of boxes where he, he's productive. He's, you know, an agitator. He can play top six winger. Um, I know this is 
been mentioned probably out there a lot. But I've I've heard that this is a real possibility if he doesn't sign re-sign in Columbus is that Ryan Dezingle, I mean Chicago kid. But I've heard yeah. that both camps would would have mutual interests if they got to July one, and I think that's a guy that checks a lot of boxes too. Where he I mean he's on a he's a 30 goal scorer and he can play on the top top line he can play a third line role he can play a second line role so I think I think they're going to go more for those kinds of players where they're not going to go out and get try to break the bank for Panarin because there's still going to be depth issues and limited flexibility even though they can do it I just think that they would be it would be wise of them to to try to fill it out with different parts rather than one big key guy yeah, yeah. I, I, another thing about the Panarin thing, Charlie, and you you may not be aware of this, but we've we've kind of been hitting this pretty hard. Is Alex Dabrinkit had 42 goals this year, but that's 42 goals, really getting a lot of prime opportunities as you know the 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 scoring left wing on this team. Um, Dabrinkit will lose a lot of those opportunities if you brought Artemi Panarin in, um, because you're not bringing Artemi Panarin in to be on the second unit power play. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and and, you know, only one of those guys gets to play on the power play with Kane. And um, uh, the other thing is, is he does nothing to solve your defensive problem. Um, and yet you're going to commit nine and a half, ten million dollars a year to him. So, yeah, we're we're we've not we've not been on that train at all. Yeah. And it's irresponsible because of the fact that, you know, DeBrinket is going to need to be signed. Strom is going to yeah. need to be signed. Like there's going to be money. You can't spend every single dollar you have available this year. Because while the cap will go up, it's only going to go up, you know, what, two, $2 million or something like that? $2 million is not going to, no. you know, sign you Alex Dabrinkit and, uh, you know, Dylan Strome next year. Um, you, 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 need to, you need to allocate some of that, those funds two years down the road when some of these guys need to be signed. So, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here. I think Panarin goes to the Rangers, and I think Eric Carlson is following. Wow. So I, it's just, it's, Panarin is not coming to Chicago. No, right? it's, he's it's just not. not happening. No, I'm glad I we all agree going, on that. I think he's going to Florida. That's, that's my, my bet. I, we'll, I, I, I for, no, go ahead. I thought maybe he go, might go out to LA or something, um, you know, to be with Kovalchuk, but uh, that seems to be a, a tire fire out there. So anyway. I can't tell if we're on a delay or not. <laughs> no, no, we, I think I, you, I keep talking over you. You keep talking over me. <laughs> we'll find, we'll find out on July 1st. He's probably not going to go to any of those places now that we mentioned it. Yeah. No kidding. He's going to end up in someplace like Carolina or something <laughs> just to screw with everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, it, uh, another, another thing that was brought up this week and, um, John Dietz, who, you know, well, um, Brought up, he had an article where he was saying that the the Blackhawks vets like Patrick Kane uh, seemed to be dumbfounded that Bowman didn't add anything at the deadline, and I thought it was pretty clear to a, to most of us that follow the team closely that like they were in no position to go out and add anything at the deadline for a full playoff run. So I, I just wanted to throw that in there. What what your opinion was on that, Charlie? Yeah, I mean. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. I, I don't think they were the Blackhawks were in a position where they, I don't want to say that they liked where they were at, but I'm sure they would have loved to have help 
But, uh, I mean, at the same time, it wasn't like last year where they didn't have a, a Tommy Wingles or they didn't have a Ryan Hartman that could j- generate interest and you can maybe j- gather assets and first-round picks or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, I, I can't even name off the top of my head who a possible rental would have been and what they could have gotten for him. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that maybe the veterans weren't uh, – satisfied with at least not getting help because you do want to reward guys it it goes a long way in the locker room when when guys are on the cusp of a playoff or when teams are on the cusp of a playoff you want to reward them with getting in but you don't want to mortgage the future and I I just don't think the Blackhawks had any rental guys available to to move right I I completely agree and John yeah I I, to me it would have been you know and I, I posted this in response to um to John's post um, that, you know, the, the real shame is that they didn't do something over the summer to improve the defense. Um, you know, but I guess they didn't realize that, you know, four guys were going to have career years, um, because if they had improved the defense, then the this team would probably be in the playoffs. Um, you know, uh, but the, the, the truth of the matter is to go, I mean, the, the other time of year that teams, you know, typically get bent over the barrel is at the trade deadline at the end of February. Cause I mean, it's, it's the biggest seller's market of the year and the teams selling, selling players make out like bandits and the teams, you know, trying to get that extra piece for the playoffs end up overpaying. And, um, you know, the Hawks would have had to do that. And I, I guarantee you this team, this team had squeaked into the playoffs. They might have won one or two games, and that's it. But but there's this this is a team that looks great certain nights during the regular season because it plays a kind of a track meet style game and you know wins games in three on three overtime. But the the you know the pace and the style of playoff games is is so not suited to this roster right now. It's ridiculous. And so I mean I, I sympathize with the players. I sympathize with them. You know these are competitors. They don't want to go home. They they want to be in the playoffs. These are guys who have won three cups, um, you know, the, who are ostensibly the guys saying these things, I get it. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it just, they believe it, but, but, you know, if you step back and you look at it objectively, they, they weren't going very far in the playoffs, even if they got something to help them get in. Yeah. Because they weren't going to get, they weren't going to get anything to really fix those holes. They might be able to patch it up just a little bit, but it, it, it the wheels would fall off again in the playoffs. I mean, I look at Columbus. Columbus went out and 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 traded a lot to get a couple of really good players in Dzingle and Duchesne. And I don't are they even are they even out of the playoffs now? I mean, they're sitting in that second spot right now. But oh, they're okay on them. Right. Well, I just wanted to bring I, that up because it was weird. I think the only way you add, if you were the Blackhawks, like usually when you add at the deadline, you know you're going to be a playoff team, and you know you're trying to put your team over the edge, over when you get to the second round or whatever. With the Blackhawks, like they added in, I think it was 2009, they added Sammy Paulson as a center. Like that, that you want to reward your guys with. Okay, we have Kane and Taze. They don't have any playoff experience. That that made made sense why they did that because they they needed that playoff experience to to take the next step but the Blackhawks weren't and they also had a, a full pipeline at that point of draft picks to to trade away it just didn't make sense so I can see why the players are frustrated they, they obviously always want to see their team get better but in the longer term it makes more sense that that they kind of did stay pat yeah for sure 
Well, a, a couple last things, and we've kind of answered our questions that we had, or most of our questions. Um, Dennis Gilbert uh, played yesterday. He made his NHL debut. Um, I really didn't. Someone asked me the question what I thought. Uh, you know, I said he took a bad angle on one and got beat kind of bad. But other than that, I really didn't see a whole lot of anything. Charlie, what did you think of Dennis Gilbert yesterday? I, I thought he was I thought he was pretty good. The only, the only play that stuck out to me was it, it kind of reminded me of Connor Murphy last year. Is there was a play where uh, one of the puck carriers, one of the Blues puck carriers was, was bringing it over into the offensive zone. And, and he he went for the for the check right at the blue line. And that. That kind of style isn't going to fly in the NHL in today's in today's game, and I think Connor Murphy learned that this year and he adjusted his play. But I didn't see Gilbert do that again for the rest of the game, so maybe they said something. But I think ultimately that's the kind of defenseman the Blackhawks are looking for, where he he has clean clean exits, be a, a pest, and and I mean he was hitting everything that moved in the blue paint yesterday. So I think that's the one positive about his game, and the reason they brought him up and sent it back down as there was a little gap in the Rockford schedule. So I think they wanted him back down in Rockford to help them with the playoff push. Right. Yeah. And uh, Mario actually talked about that a little earlier in his uh, war pigs report about uh, Rockford. But I think there was, this was also kind of like a little, a little reward for being, you know, being a warrior. He didn't get to have his, uh, his NHL debut last year, like uh, Hillman did. So I think they kind of gave him the little opportunity, even though that they're in a, in a playoff race, the, it, it kind of just worked out perfectly for that. So I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't see anything crazy, anything great, but I didn't see anything terrible either. Yeah. The one thing that stood out to me was his demeanor. Like I felt he was very calm. He wasn't like, sometimes you can look at their heads and they're, they're kind of seeing where they're at on the ice and, and they're mm-hmm. sure they're in the right spot. Like I felt like he was, he had a pretty calm demeanor about him. He, he never panicked. He wasn't that kind of fidgety guy. Like he, even when he was taking his, his solo lap out there, like he was bracing, kind of bracing it and kind of peeking over his shoulder. Like one of the guys going to join me. Like, you know, he just seemed like he was in where he, he should be. Yeah. John, did you have any uh, thoughts on Dennis Gilbert? No, I, I'm, I think, you know, my take was really similar to Charlie's. I mean, um, he reminded me a little bit in terms of, you know, his efficiency and lack of panic in the defensive zone of uh, Blake Kilman, who, um, you know, I thought actually looked pretty good in a couple of stints with the Hawks last year and this year. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like here's the other thing, too, is I feel like, you know, uh, it's we're talking about the tallest midget right now. I mean, it's it's like. Hey, you know, we're, there's a lot, much has been made of Connor Murphy's um, improvement this year. And I, I do think there has been some improvement in Murphy's game, but I would, I don't think Connor Murphy's a difference maker. And I feel like what the Hawks need to do is they need, they need to get a difference maker on defense. And I, and I don't mean necessarily Carlson or necessarily another Duncan Keith. I think, I think more like a, you know, a, a Nicholas Jalmerson when he was younger or a Josh Manson or, you know, some someone of that nature who who is a difference maker in terms of their physical presence, um, in terms of the things that they can do up and down the ice. Um, uh, you know, I, I again, I feel like we we've gotten the last few years in Chicago, we've gotten pretty satisfied with band aids and sort of half measures. And I, I'd really like to see Bowman go out, not just plug a hole, but like bring somebody in who can really you know, make a difference for this team. And, 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 you know, that would, I think that would be exciting. And I think 
meaningful as opposed to just sort of doing something for the sake of doing, which was what Davidson and Manning were, you know, um, or it's just, it, or Kunitz for that matter. Um, I, I just feel like this is the summer when Bowman's got to step up as a GM and, and really, um, you know, make him make his mark and, and put to doubt or put to rest any doubts about him as a GM anymore. Um, as opposed to just kind of, you know, half measures, I guess that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. And he's, and he's off to a good start with the, you know, the Strom deal and the Cajula yep. deal on the flip side, he's fixing things that, you know, he was sort of fixing things that, uh, he kind of misstepped on in the first place, but really in that back end, you know, he's made some really, uh, nice moves. Uh, if he can carry that on into the summer, we, they, you know, we may be talking playoffs next year. So, yeah, I think the Strom deal, it was kind of the, the jewel in the crown for Bowman this year. I mean, Kajula, yeah, I mean, he was a nice surprise and, and he's a useful player on some, on some level, but I'm not sure he isn't closer to, um, Adam Burrish than he is to Patrick Sharp. And, oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, again, I just he's he's a he'll he could be a nice sort of depth piece for the team and a guy you can use in different situations. But, um, you know, uh, Strom was Strom was really a nice pickup, and and I, in my opinion, losing Schmaltz was addition by subtraction in a lot of ways too. So it was a good move. Yep. So, all right. Well, I think that that the one thing the the one last thing I wanted to bring up, and it was kind of a point I wanted to bring up. Um, that uh, could could the Blackhawks have sent a defenseman to the Cup champs for the second year in a row if uh, the Lightning win this year and they had sent uh, Jan Ruda to the Lightning and then last year they sent Michael Kentney to uh, Washington. So I just thought that was kind of a weird uh, coincidence how that uh, yeah. lays out. But, you know, another addition by subtraction was getting probably getting rid of Jan Ruda. Not that Which is just kind of funny because the Blackhawks were usually the ones that were on the other end, like when they made the Johnny Oduya trade. And like those were, you know, I can't even remember what they got for him. Uh, I think it was like a third round pick. And then they ended up being a gem on their top four defense. And so, yeah, I think they dealt a second and a third for, for Oduya. That was a, that was also, that was a nice move. And you know, that's a, that's a kind of guy, gosh, you know, I mean, I always felt like Michael Kempney could turn into that kind of player. Because he had the physical ability to be that kind of player, um, and well, he sort of he, he sort of moved in that direction since he went to, to Washington. But that's that's water under the bridge. Yeah. Well, so the Blackhawks will wrap it up uh, this weekend. So, and then uh, it it'll be a long wait until uh, the draft. But the draft, uh, the draft lottery will be Tuesday night, right, Charlie? Yep, I think Tuesday at seven o'clock. Cool. Yeah. I well, that'll gonna, be exciting. Yeah. And then we will all rest <laughs> until until the draft comes around because um, there probably won't be a whole lot going on in Blackhawks lane. There's going to be a lot going on behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. I, I think that the Hawks need to be ready the week before the draft, I think, to to be making some moves because that's when that that's a really fluid trade market, typically the week before the draft. And, and uh, it would be nice to see them get some business done there or at least sort of, you know, set themselves up nicely for July 1st, if, if possible. But, uh, um, they, you know, I would think that there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes activity leading up to that week. And they don't have to move Marion Hosa's contract. So they, they have some flexibility. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, th- one last thing too. Um, it looks like Cal- uh, the Carolina hurricanes just clinched 
a uh, playoff berth. So uh, that's new and interesting. I think it's been 10 years. I, I just read 10 years to the day the Canes last clinched a playoff berth. So uh, that'll be the interesting. lives on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I think uh, they, they didn't they send out a, uh, a message saying that they're not going to do it in the playoffs. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, I think I remember reading that too. Yeah. 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 That, I, that's not going to go over well in the play. Like they're, they're going to be forced to do it. Carolina is, they're not going to leave the stadium until they do it. <laughs> I like it. I think it's fun, but, and I'm an yeah. old guy, so. It works in a, in a market like Carolina. Yeah, like for if sure. the Blackhawks did it, I'd probably say we've got a problem here, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not a fan of Chelsea dagger myself. I, I would rather just move on from that. But anyway, that's another podcast in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, Charlie, thanks for uh, joining us um, and talking some Blackhawks here. Yeah, um, no problem. Thanks for having me. And I, I appreciate you guys giving us uh, some love on our podcast as well. And uh, absolutely, you guys do a lot of good work, too. So keep it up. Thanks. Thank man. you, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for coming on, bud. We'll be thanks. seeing you around at uh, Prospect Camp this year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. See ya. All right. Well, that was great. Uh, Mario and Charlie, I want to thank them both for joining us. We did have some questions. I alluded to those when we were, when we were speaking with Charlie. Um, I'm just going to kind of read them off because they were pretty much answered. Um, but there's, we can get into a little more specifics and then we can roll out of here for the, uh, for the night. Our, our boy, Ron Luce, Luce. I never know how to say that. Um, other than Kevin Hayes, who are some centers that the Blackhawks could target. We kind of talked about that in the, in the forward group. Uh, which defenseman do you believe would be available for the trader sign? Kind of mentioned that Eric Andrews, who is our prospect guy. He's going to be jumping back into the fray a little bit uh, with the draft coming up. And he's, he's going to help out with our uh, year end reviews of the Blackhawks. Um, so if you have space, which former Blackhawk uh, does the team miss most? Now my answer with that is, and I know the, uh, I know the, uh, the reviewer who said we were obsessed with Bufflin is going to love this, but I would think out of all that Dustin Bufflin, because he's, I think he's performing at that highest level uh, of former Blackhawks that, that, that they miss and he could fill that spot. uh, Yeah. You know, that huge, he brings up, you know, he brings beyond, you know, what he does in the ice. And, and you, you, when you talk to players, um, you know, at all levels, um, it, but you know, Dustin Bufflin brings a presence on the ice that is incredibly intimidating, and he can he can do things athletically at his size that that are pretty amazing. But he also brings he, he's a great guy in the dressing room. Um, he he brings a lot of confidence. You have a lot of confidence knowing you got a guy like that on your bench um, who can take care of business in a lot of different ways. I but the guy, frankly, that I. I the ex-hawk who right now I think this team could use, and I would love to go out and find the, you know, 20 year old version of him is Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, you know, uh, just an absolute warrior, um, from the defense position who, um, can stabilize the back end, can stabilize, you know, a, a partner like Eric Gustafson, um, block shots, um, you know, just so strong positionally takes so many things away in the defensive zone with just, you know, with his positioning and his stick and, um, just a, a con- incredible competitor. 
Um, you know, I, I would just love to have Nicholas Chalmerson back for next year. I mean, you know, but, but I, 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 you know, he's 33 years old. I get it, but go find the young Nicholas Chalmerson this summer. I, yeah. I think that would be incredibly exciting. That's what I was kind of alluding to with, uh, with Charlie, um, you know, the, the list of players, the list of defensemen that I was kind of looking, I was looking at guys that are two way guys, uh, Matias Eckholm, like that guy, Brandon Montour, uh, uh, yeah, he, Ekholm is, but Ekholm, like, he, he's been compared to Jalmerson, but to me, he's like, he's just, he's kind of soft, and, and you know, that's the last thing you would call Jalmerson, he's, he's, he's a stud, he's a warrior, you know, and that's, that's, that's what they really need, is they need a guy, because it's that attitude that those guys bring, and Buffalo, the same thing, I mean, the, these are, these are tough hombres who, you know, they they inspired confidence among their teammates, and that that is important. Don't kid yourself. Having those guys on your bench, and it's not like Jomerson's going to go out and you know start throwing them with some guy, but it's just the fact that he's going to take care of business. He's not going to get pushed around or intimidated physically. Um, I, I would just love to see them get somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, even even though he's a little bit older, what about like a Jordy Ben? I brought him up a little earlier too. Yeah. He's okay. I mean, yeah. he's an okay player. I, I mean, he's, I, he's not, he's not a, a, you know, an exceptional player. And, and I'm going to talk about this later when we talk to Charlie, um, you know, the need for difference makers as opposed to just guys who, who check a box, but you know, they aren't necessarily really, you know, real difference makers. Yeah. Yeah. Well though, yeah, we're, it's going to be, re- it's really hard to, to find a Nicholas Jomerson in his prime. Like I don't even know that he's out there right now. No, I agree. Or well, you know what? There are young guys out there that that are potentially that kind of player. I mean, he hasn't had a great year, maybe a couple of years, but I mean, I love watching Adam Larson play. And that guy, that guy, that guy is a stud. I mean, he is tough to play against. Um, or Josh Manson. You know, he's another one that I, I would love to have him on my team. I just don't think that. That I would love to have him too. I just don't think the, I don't think no. Well, you know, no. Up. You're that's the thing, and to get guys like that, Bowman's going to go have have to go out and make an offer, and 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 he's going to have to give something up, you yeah. know. And that's that's what it comes down to. You know, the days of of teams being out there, you know, just waiting to help the Hawks are over. You know, you you don't have Dale Talon trying to you know taking the Hawks castoffs down in Florida or Kevin Kevin Shovel Day off trying to build something up in Winnipeg. I mean, those guys don't exist anymore. I mean, now it's a different deal. I mean, Bowman's got to go out and acquire good players to help, not get rid of good players to cut the salary cap. Yeah, and uh, Eric also asked um, what players or what would be your strategy in the draft for the Blackhawks and what players would you like to see them uh, target via trade and free agency? We kind of talked about trade and free agency. As far as the... The draft goes, I mean, for me, it's got to be a forward. I mean, it, it, it's a forward-heavy draft. Go out and get a forward. Go get, get another forward and build up. You've already built up the defense. Now build up the forward core that coming down the line for the next couple of years. You know, the guy that I would have loved to have seen them take, because <clears throat> I think he's kind of a poor man's Jonathan Taves, was last year was Joe Valeno, yeah. or Valeno, however it's pronounced. I, I'd love to see them get a guy like that who, you know, projects as maybe, you know, maybe a second, second or third line center who, you know, does a lot, checks a lot of boxes, does a, does a lot of the little things, you know, both with and without the puck, um, you know, that, that sort of deepens the center position. I, you know, they're, they're pretty stacked at wing, um, um, you know, at least at the NHL level, they definitely are. Um, 
So, I mean, yeah, I'd like to, I really would like to see them get a, you know, sort of a, an all-terrain type of forward. Um, so like if, you know, if they were at the top two, which they're not going to be, but if they were, you know, I would lean more toward a Capo Caco, you know, rather than a Jack Hughes. And Jack Hughes is going to be a great player, but I, I just feel like they got to get bigger up front and, and be tougher to play against. And I don't mean just big and dumb and bad. I mean, guys who can actually put the puck in the net too. Yeah. I, I, I agree. We've, we've said this all year long, so this is just us, us repeating ourselves over and over again. Cause it's, ah, so it. I'd rather repeat us than other people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thanks Eric and Ron for, for throwing in those last minute questions. The second city sports podcast guys threw in a question and we kind of talked about this, but to, to, to more directly answer the question, are the Hawks one legit top four D man away from uh, a playoff team next season? What do you, what's your answer to that? I, if it's, if it's the right kind of defenseman, like some, what we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, potentially, um, if it's a guy who can, for example, as a partner, stabilize Gustafson, um, and block a lot of shots and, um, you know, um, just stabilize the whole back end. Because when you bring in a guy like that, a top four defenseman who, who fills something you don't have, there's a ripple effect then all the guys in your defense can be slotted appropriately, you know, and you don't have Gustafson playing 27 minutes a night. Um, and in situations where he's not as good um, as he is on the power play, for example. So I think that um, I, I, I think potentially, um, but that's asking a lot because the other thing is, is again, I, you, you, I think this is the first year Taves has played a full season in, in what, three or four years. Um, and, and these guys are now North of 30 Taves and Kane are. And, and so I don't know, you don't know if they're going to be, if they're going to have the kind of years next year that they had this year, it's hard to say. And, um, but assuming they, they do and they, the Hawks go out and get the right top four defenseman, a guy who can really, like I said, have that positive ripple effect throughout the defense. Sure. I, I, the way I look at it is with the guys that all had like career years this year, I would say you could maybe expect one of them to have a similar year next year. Not to say, and and dropping off from, from career year is not any knock on any player, but to expect any, you know, to even expect half of them to have an equal season next year. um, I wouldn't bet on that. I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't bet on that. And which is why I, which is why, you know, I've been, so hard pressed to say, you know, get rid of, get rid of Gustafson while, while he's at his highest, because if he drops off next year and then he goes into, you know, then he's going to go into free agency. You're going to lose him for nothing. And right. you know, no one's going to pick I, him up I, the trade I, deadline I would be with you on Gustafson. If, if the, the team was truly in rebuilding mode and it didn't really matter how good the power play was next year. But I, I think whether I agree with it or not, they are, they are hoping to be, a competitive playoff team next year. And as such, I think, I, I don't think Bokvis is going to be ready to step in and, and take over that role next year. Um, and so I, th- I, I think the front and the other thing is, is I think this front office, you know, they're, they, they're very loath to make moves that are going to um, um, trigger the, the torches and pitchforks crowd um, that they pander to. And, as such, I mean, I think I think if you traded Gustafson and got some real value back for him, I'd 
I, pr- I probably support it because, again, I, I see this as being more of a rebuild than perhaps some do. Um, and I don't really care whether they get to the second round of the playoffs next year. I'd rather they win a cup in three years. So, yeah, I mean, if they traded Gus and got something for it, I'd, I'd support it. But I just don't think they're going to. I think yeah. he's around until Bulkvist gets here. Yeah, which I, I personally would sacrifice whatever they think, whatever magic we think that he brought to the power play. I think. You I know, don't disagree with you, but there's, I, I don't think they're gonna. Yeah, you you could be very well be right. This is just my my opinion on this. To just you know, sell high and and, and get what you can because I think you could get something good for him. Unfortunately, his underlying metrics aren't going to show that you know he's this uh, you know elite defenseman that some people you know projected he was because he's not. He's a good offensive defenseman, but on the other end, he's a highly yeah. flawed good offensive defense yeah he he, uh he he evens himself out is what ends up happening he's really good on the offense really bad on the defense he kind of meets somewhere in the middle um but i I still think you could get something for him and i think if you don't get something for him you're gonna just pretty much someone's gonna pay him and it's not gonna be the blackhawks and you're gonna lose him for nothing and i don't know it's interesting I, i i read some some tweets some people uh, basically, they were they were Gustafson fans. Um, I called them Gustafson apologists, but they're let's Shocking. call them Gustafson fans. They were they were essentially saying that that he is Brian Campbell. No, I I don't think so. No. I, I Brian Campbell was he made mistakes as a defenseman and he got caught out of position sometimes, but but Brian Campbell was was nobody's pushover. I mean, he was a pretty physical player and. Uh, you know, he could do, he was, he was every bit as athletic as Gustafson, but I think he was a better defenseman, honestly. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he he definitely was. And Brian Campbell, uh, you know, didn't take till 27, 28 years old (laughs) to to, to make it out of the friggin' AHL. So, I mean, part of that is, 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 uh, you know, Joe Quenville, because every time Gustafson Gustafson would screw up, you know, Joe Quenville wasn't having it and I don't blame him. I honestly don't blame him. Colleton's letting him get away with this stuff. And it's good. It's both good and bad because you've seen yeah. that they're, you know, they're giving up so many shots and high danger chances and goals. And, and some of that, and not all of it, of course, not all of it can be Eric Gustafson's fault, but there's, he's out there a lot and a lot. He gives up. Probably, uh, I don't know. I haven't looked lately, but for a while there, he was leading the league in high danger chances against. That that tells you something. I don't think Brian Campbell was ever leading the league in, you know, in, no. you know, and he was able to. So I can see where they, they, they have some similarities with the power play and all that stuff. But um, on the back end, they're, you know, I don't see it. No, I don't either. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, I, I don't want this this always ends up turning into the Eric I mean, Gustafson bash. There's festival. a there's a comparison you can make, but to equate the two, I don't I don't think that that's no. justified. No, it and yeah. So anyway, um, one last question, which was kind of lighthearted kind of thing, and I'm just going to bring it up. Not that it really needs to justify an answer, but Dan Metch on uh, the Facebook page said, "Why in the hell did a Boston Bruins legend get a last shift?" Phil had a cup of coffee in Chicago. That should have been Tony's night. I yeah I agree with that. I kind of wondered that to myself, but uh, they wanted to bring in Phil too, so I said, "Hey, why don't, why don't you come along as well?" 
I don't. Uh, yeah, that that one was a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that's where we are um, in terms of you know trying to uh, gin up some excitement. Uh, you know, <laughs> at the end of a uh, of a pretty conflicted season. Yeah, but and I don't want to take anything away from Tonio because, as I said it yesterday, he might be the the best left-handed goalie to ever play the game, and uh, he's definitely in 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 the t- the top for you know one of the best goalies of course, that ever played. So, Right up there with Tom Barrasso, <laughs> Tomas Vokun. Better than them, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, for sure he was better. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, was, Wasn't Ken Dryden a lefty? I don't think so, but uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Um, but I know Barrasso and Vokun definitely were. Yeah. Um, one last thing. Uh, we did get a new review. The Saito, he's actually put... Uh, some questions in uh, to past episodes. So I wanted to read it. Uh, thanks for going out there and taking uh, taking the time to actually compose this because I know it's not easy to do. But he says, the best source for Hawks news, the perfect podcast to get your Hawks information. Jeff and John have the real pulse on the Hawks and will cut through the BS of the team media propaganda. If you really want to be informed with what is going on, stick with these guys. The guests have been great on the show too. So thank you for, wow, uh, thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Um, please share with your friends. So, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and keep this thing going as far as the summer goes. Uh, of course, there's not going to be a lot to talk about. So we probably might have to slide every other week or maybe every three weeks. If you know, the playoffs are going on and there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's no reason for us to, you know, force everyone to listen to us repeat the same things all over all again. But uh, when the draft comes around, things are going to ramp up again. So you may see a slowdown just a little bit while the playoffs go on. Um, but you know, this summer we're going to be hitting it hard again. And uh, so. Hey, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got anything you want? Oh, you know what? I, I, I wanted to bring up um, you and I, at least the plan is to uh, we're going to guess on a couple of podcasts coming up. Um, I don't I, I don't know the exact details on where you're going to attempt to uh, guess on. Um, you know, I and I, I feel horrible about this. I've been talking to Charlie McCoy, who's the guy who runs the podcast. So this is the um, Overtime Podcast Network's Nashville Predators affiliate. So if you want to find it, just go to um, Overtime Networks. Um, look on our um, on our Ringcast um, Twitter feed. I believe it's on there, um, and then just look for the uh, the national affiliate. That's what it'll be, and it's it's we're going to talk about the Hawks and the Preds game on Saturday night. Um, again, we're hoping to make it work. Um, Charlie and I both have had kind of a crazy busy week, so we'll see. But uh, um, that's the plan. It's going to be pretty cool. Cool, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and I am going to guest once again on the Biscuit Podcast. A uh, little bit of a change of pace, <laughs> but. Uh, he wants to talk about uh, the playoffs, the Central Division playoffs, which I don't know why he wants to talk to me because for the last couple of years, the Blackhawks, uh, us and the Blackhawks haven't been involved in the playoffs very much. But we always have a good time over there. Uh, my boy, William Bartram, from uh, he's your neighbor over there in uh, Columbus. so uh, And he's affiliated with HockeyFights.com too as well. So, nice. Yeah. They have some actually really good guests, but... To, to, to kind of reel this back, him and I did a podcast uh, previewing the Central Division at the beginning of the year, and I actually brought it up 
uh, on Twitter that uh, actually my predictions weren't that far off. And again, I'm just talking out of my ass on this because uh, I, I don't consider myself that much of an expert, but um, I, I think uh, my predictions actually went pretty well. Um, I was I was only off by just a little bit, but uh, I, I said Minnesota would finish last uh, just below the Hawks. But um, other than that, uh, I was pretty pretty spot on as far as the uh, Central Division goes. So I'll be with Indeed. you. Yeah, I, I will, we will tweet these out when these podcasts come. I will share them on the Ringcast account, share them on the uh, the uh, the Rink account, and all that stuff. So hopefully this all works out. Um, and lastly, next week we are going to try and attempt to throw together a Rink Writer uh, roundtable season wrap-up uh, where everyone can get their voices in, talk about the Blackhawks, how their feelings are. Uh, you guys can get to uh, know the writers a little bit better, uh, some of them behind the scenes more than others. But we're going to try and bring as many as of, of them that are available as possible, and we're going to see how this works. And uh, so we'll do that, and then uh, we'll kind of go into a – kind of a slight hibernation for just a little bit while everyone gets recharged and uh we hit the uh um we hit the off season uh this will probably be post uh lottery uh draft lottery so we'll have that to talk about uh feel free to send your questions in as well so um so that being said uh you can find all of our comprehensive content on www.thedashrank.com you can find us on all the popular social medias at the rink official on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. At the Rinkcast on Twitter is the Rinkcast account where all the Rinkcast news will be. I am at Puck and Hostel. You are at Jekyll, J A E C K E L. Uh, Charlie Romeliotis. Uh, I'm going to slow down, I'm tripping over my tongue here. Charlie Romeliotis. Um, I'm sure you probably all follow him on uh, Twitter, but if you don't, it's C Romeliotis, and I'm not going to spell that out for you. <laughs> It will be tagged in the uh, the Twitter uh, release. Uh, if you get a chance, like the site I did, uh, head over to iTunes, rate and review us. It helps us climb up the charts. Uh, any help you give us is much appreciated. Um, I don't have any other last plugs. I think I did all my plugs. You got anything else you want? Uh, I got nothing. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening. And... Uh... Please uh, refer us to your friends when, when we uh, drop the, uh, the podcast. Please retweet. And, um, it's, this community has really been growing um, you know, really, really fast. And, and uh, it's great. It's exciting. And uh, we're going we're gonna to keep working to get the great guests for you, too. So um, just stick with us. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the radio.